morning and happy new year so uh this year as we have uh, throughout advent when the church year began uh, we're going to be following the lectionary every sunday um for those of you that's not so familiar with what that means uh the church um, has a three-year cycle uh, where it follows the readings of Scripture and hopes to cover the entirety of Scripture within those three years. Um, and this year is year A, the year of Matthew. Uh, B would be the year of Luke. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. B would be the year of Mark. <laughs> and C would be the year of Luke. Um, and if the, you get the newsletter and you open that up, and if you don't, go to the website and sign up for that, we're giving out every week the readings of the day that coincide with that. So Monday through Wednesday is a reflection on the readings that we just had. And then Thursday through Saturday, there's daily readings that reflect or, or prepare for what is to come on the following Sunday. And today, uh, in the lectionary, the church here, we are the first Sunday after Christmas. And this year, there's only one. Usually, there's only one, but occasionally, there's two. And I was hoping for two this year, but when Christmas falls on a Sunday, you, you kind of run out of time. Um, and our readings for today, other than the one which... Uh, which Stephen read for us, which I'm going to concentrate on mostly from Matthew. Uh, we would have had Psalm 148, Isaiah 63, 7 through 9, and Hebrews 2, 10 through 18. And, and those, again, will be in the newsletter each, each week um, to help you know what's coming. And, and maybe for those of you who want to, read ahead, uh, find out more. At, at the 10.30, we tend not to read all of them. Um, at the 8.30, in our more liturgical setting, the framework is there for all to be covered. But like I say, today I'm going to concentrate mostly on that Matthew passage. And there's a little bit of a disconnect coming for some of us. Any of you who are going to come and join us on, on Friday for our Epiphany celebration, we're going to have the preceding part of Matthew chapter 2 as we look at the wise men. But but now we're kind of looking ahead of that, uh, the way the, 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 the lectionary uh, has put us there. So a little bit of a disconnect. As, as Stephen just said, we've already had the Magi visit, Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus. And we get to, to this bit that we just heard for today. So let's see what God's got in store through all of that for us. See, this passage from uh, Matthew's gospel is three parts. And each part is followed by, or, or followed by, or backed up by uh, a passage of Hebrew scripture. And it's important that we really get what Matthew is saying, what he's trying to do, and, and how, when he's referencing uh, these different verses, why he's chosen those verses. And how it all points really to Jesus being hailed as the Messiah, as being the Savior who will deliver his people. And so the first part of that reading we have, um, 
Now, after they had left, and like Steve like said, that's the, the, the Magi, the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. And there are a few things that are worth noting in that section of scripture. And firstly, within the bigger narrative of the Christmas story, we've got Jesus as a baby. But let's think about that. This is not a baby who is sweet, meek, mild, unthreatening. This is a baby that is seriously going to and is threatening the way that things are and the way that things will be. Already we see that. Because even as Jesus is at this tender young age, Herod is afraid. He's afraid of Jesus. He's afraid because of what the wise men have told him. He's afraid because of what the teachers of the law have said in backing that up. And because of what is, is said, and because of the result of that fear, we read later in verses 16 through 18 that an angel comes and tells Joseph to get up and move off to Egypt with his family. See, Matthew, as he does throughout the whole of his gospel, is drawing on Scripture to explain what is meant, what is meant by the events that have occurred. Not necessarily concerning the, the way the event has happened, but the why. And the reference of Scripture that he's drawn on here from Hosea 11, verse 1, out of Egypt I have called my son, It's a bit puzzling because Jose is not looking forward to the Messiah when he says that. He's looking back to Israel's exodus. And the puzzle can somewhat be unraveled when we, when we consider and understand more Matthew and how he constantly is pointing to Jesus as being the new Moses as being the, the kind of the final lawgiver. Or, or even a step further than that, as being Israel in person. Kind of managing to succeed where all of the other people have failed. And we'll see more of how that is really drilled into um, on the first Sunday of Lent, when we look at Jesus' journey through the wilderness and his being tempted, and how he succeeds where Israel really fails. But coming back to today's passage, and, and this next section that comes up, telling us of that massacre that Joseph had been told to flee from, when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he was infuriated. And he sent out men to kill children in and around Bethlehem who were two years older or two years or younger. 
And that was, we're told, to fulfill the prophecy of Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. Okay, so the Magi, they didn't return to let Herod know where to go and find Jesus. And that sent him into a bit of a rage. Now, historically, we know Herod was a bit of a, I got to say, um, I'm thinking of a good word to you, sorry. Um, He was easily raged. Um, And we know that, you know, when, when, when people in his family were suspected of scheming against him, he would have them killed. He even had his wife killed because he thought she was scheming against him. On, the, on, on his deathbed, he had people from Jericho, senior citizens of Jericho, slaughtered so that they would be weeping at his funeral. Kind of power-hungry, self-centered. <laughs> and... Um, because of that, we know that here, this, this act of going out and slaughtering many infants is well within the character of Herod. Especially when we look at a power or control, it's being challenged. He's feeling threatened by that, and it's driving him into this rage. And in telling this story, Matthew says, and he goes into the Hebrew scriptures there of Jeremiah 31, 15. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they are no more. And again, I've got to say it's puzzling. It's puzzling why Matthew has chosen this verse at this moment in telling the story. Because Jeremiah isn't looking to the Messiah. He isn't going ahead and prophesying of what what is to come here at the um, the massacre or or the the killing of the holy innocents, as is is referred to uh, in the church year, in the calendar, which we had just uh, a couple of days ago. You know, it's looking back to a time of the Assyrian exile. Rachel, who is Rachel? Rachel is the favorite wife of Jacob. Right? She is symbolic as the mother of the tribes of Israel. And, and Rama is the place of, of kind of deportation. It's kind of like the checkpoint that people had to go through when they were being exiled to Assyria. And, uh, and that's what that's referring to. It's crying at the loss of those who are leaving Israel and being exiled, being driven out as captives. The wider narrative of Jeremiah 31 is all about covenantal restoration. Bringing people back from exile. 
And so what Matthew's trying to do in, in linking all this together is saying the weeping of Rachel then is symbolic now as he's writing this in this story of the, of the massacre because even though God has promised the return, bad stuff still kind of happens. Even in this hopelessness of the women who are mourning and crying over the loss of so many sons of Israel, there is still hope. There is still hope. There is still going to be deliverance from God. Sorrow and mourning is going to flee. It's going to go away all because of Jesus. And then lastly today, in this third section, we get the return from Egypt. We're told when Herod died, an angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, Herod's dead, it's time to go. My paraphrase. <laughs> Herod's dead, it's time to go. Take the mother, take the child, and go back to Israel. And Joseph has a little bit of a fear because he hears who's going to be ruling. And so in a dream, he's told, okay, go to Nazareth. And, and Matthew tells us that's to fulfill the words of the prophet that he will be called a Nazarene. And again, that's quite puzzling. This is more puzzling than the other two, if I'm honest with you. We've got an angel telling Joseph, the time has come, go. Here's the destination. Jesus is being brought back out of Egypt, as we touched on before. And Matthew draws on this very, very odd phrase. that That's to fulfill the words of the prophet. He is to be called a Nazarene. And I find it puzzling. Many find it even more puzzling. Because they don't know where this scriptural link is. Some say it's maybe a reference to Jesus' lineage or uh, a, a reference to membership of a sect of Judaism. But in fact, you see, it's not found anywhere in the Old Testament. Nazareth isn't mentioned. So where's this come from? See, it's not a direct reference um, from Scripture. But it has been suggested by some scholars that it does link or point to uh, Isaiah 11.1. 1. A shoot shall come up from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now that word branch that was used there, that's, that's translated from Nazir. That a root will grow out of that branch. And that the link to Nazir is actually a link that's then drawn on for Nazareth. And so we're being told really through Matthew here that there's going to be a new beginning. And Matthew wants us to see and to find hints in everything. Everywhere we look, he wants us to see reference to Jesus and to the bringing of salvation. 
that Jesus is the one who is going to rescue Israel. That he's going to rescue all who believe in his name. See, it's not because of what happens around the birth of Jesus. That's not what makes Jesus who Jesus is. That's not what makes him the answer. Those things happen because he is the answer. And Matthew continues to press on, to dig into this, to let his readers know that Jesus will lead his people out of slavery, through the wilderness and into the promised land. Remember, Matthew sees Jesus as this kind of new Moses. This new exodus is going to begin. So what's slavery for us right now? What do we need to be led out of? What do you individually need to be led out of? What's the wilderness that you're being sent into? Remember, wilderness is a place, is a time in our lives where we get to be shaped. And we get to really see what is valuable for us as we are refined so that we can enter in to the promised land. I saw a video yesterday of uh, Chad Bird. Um, and, and he just said, guaranteed two things are going to happen this year to all believers. <clears throat> One, you're going to carry a cross. Because Jesus calls you to take up your cross. And what is the purpose of a cross? The purpose of a cross is to kill you. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to kill inside of you all of those things that are not of him. Pride. Anger. Self-righteousness. Got to get those things out. So that he can live truly in you. And that's the second thing that's going to happen this year. He's going to give you life. He's going to replace all of those things that have been driven away with life in its fullness. And that's what Matthew's pointing to as this new exodus. As this journey into the new promised land. And so this year, as we go through these journeys, as we, as we follow the lectionary through the gospel of Matthew, and it's going to be interspersed with other passages. It might jump a little bit here and there. But we're going to come to it bit by bit, and we're going to see how Matthew understands the importance of the events that surround the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and how that is so, so important for us to get, how it's so important for us to live into and to move through on our journey, on our journey out of slavery, through the wilderness, and into the promised land. So let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you have created that opportunity through Jesus to be on this journey. That as we 
carry our cross. As we are emptied, as we are brought before you on this journey, we pray for a freeing. We pray for a reshaping in the wilderness. And Lord, we thank you for your open arms that await us in the new promised land. We give you praise, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.